1: Bucks are off for their first offensive possession of the year. Derrick White on the right side wing, hands off to George King out of the near side. As Xavier Johnson bounce pass into West Gordon, who posts up his defender, tries a post move, goes to the left side, will work a pass out to Derrick White three-point shot. Good. Derrick White, one shot of the Division One level, one three-point.
0: This is the BSN Denver Buffs Podcast.
1: Working on the right side wing. Occivili guarded by Coppola. Left-handed pass to Derek White. Three-point shot from the top of the key. Good!
0: Powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network.
1: White trying to find a way through the zone defense. Slash it through right to the hole. Wonderful. Off the glass, Derek White.
0: Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Koningsberg and... Jake
1: Shapiro. Welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast brought to you by the Blake Street Tavern. As always, Jake Shapiro alongside Ryan Koningsberg, bringing you all the uh, Colorado basketball news. Basketball only pod right here. So if you like football, listen to the other one. Exactly. If you like both, you should listen to both. But anyways, Ryan, the Buffaloes are 3-0. and They've looked pretty good to start the season at times. They've looked bad at times. Uh, pretty inconsistent. And if you're betting on them hard to get a read they've gone one and two against the spread thus far so if you've betting on my bookie and you've taken the buffaloes i am sorry for your loss so far this season but my bookie is the place to check out your action on the buffaloes uh mybookie.lv they offer thousands of experts and rookies uh Real Las Vegas odds, amazing player props, and live in-game action with odds updated in real time. But the best thing about mybookie.lv is the fast, no-hassle payouts. When you win, join now, and they'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. Get an extra 10% bonus on top of that when you sign up and deposit today using promo code BSNDENVER. Expert or rookie, you got to go check out mybookie.lv. And the Buffaloes have a lot of experts and rookies. They've got four fifth-year seniors on this team, and they've also got a lot of freshman contributors that have been playing pretty well thus far. Lucas Seward's been impressive. Deleon Brown, uh, who I was talking about on the pre-season uh, pod, I was like, Ryan, you're really going to like this guy. He he plays the defense. He can really dry. He's athletic. He blew his first defensive assignment on the season. You text me, Deleon Brown, like, confirmed trash. <laughs> and then, like, you texted me last night after the game. I'm like, all right, I, I see what you're talking about. I said, Deleon
0: Brown. Brown. <laughs> yeah. Trademark that.
1: Deleon Brown. Yep it's going to be hitting them you might as you need to tweet that first so like some idiot can't claim it for his own like i did with the larry bird squad or like
0: josh scott trying to claim to be the first one to start the Derek white hype train
1: (laughs) right like he he, like he didn't listen to the podcast at all for a year of us hearing that
0: exactly but first of all your expert or rookie transition was probably the best of your career so good job uh it's the
1: atmosphere today at the blake street (laughs) tavern that's
0: got me really relaxed nice and laid back uh I like what I've seen so far, but I feel like it almost feels like preseason football. Like, I don't think they're playing 100%, and it's probably driving Tad crazy, but at no point have I seen these guys really dig in, and that's a bit frustrating because you don't want to be the team who thinks they can turn it on at any moment, and then all of a sudden you face some adversity here in the next game, and... You aren't ready for it. You can't turn it on quite as fast as you think. So, you know, an example, and it's crazy that the first thing I say about Derek White on this podcast is going to be critical. Actually, no, it's not because Derek White has been awesome. Uh, I think people have kind of learned what we were talking about, especially Will, um, in the pre-season podcast that we did. Said, look, he's going to have some nights where it's you know twelve, six, and four and it was super – he was good on the defensive end, and it didn't blow you away, but, like, you knew he was a great player.
1: That was Derek last night against ULM. He was – he missed one shot in the game. He made – I think he had four or five assists. He had a couple steals. He had a couple – he had a block, I think, and a couple rebounds, and he had, like, four offensive rebounds too. He He was all over the place, and Tad made a mention of it after the game. He's like, he had 12 points 10 minutes into the first half and didn't score again. Like, he didn't take another shot. Like, the guy could have had 25.
0: And that actually was my point of criticism. I want to see – he scored 12 points, like, right away, and I was like, thank God, like, he's going to put up a 30 ball. But he kind of turned it off. He's like, all right, we're good. And I realize you can get away with that now. I'm just saying you want to make sure that you can stay in that groove. You know, he hasn't played basketball in a while, and now he's getting back into that groove – keep it on for an entire game because there's going to be games in conference where they need 30 from Derek White I mean there are going to be a
1: lot of games in conference you saw this last year where they're going to end up shooting 35 percent from the field and you're going to need Derek White to get to the free throw line every other possession and uh, he's shown that ability and that perhaps has been the most impressive part about Derek's game to me because when we see him in practice the fouls they call in practice they have refs it's Three coach, it's the three assistant coaches are refing, so to speak. But they let everything go, essentially. They, they let the players play. So you don't really know what a foul is, and you don't know how much Derek White really gets contacts. But the first three games, Derek White's gotten to the free throw line as much as he really did at UCCS. He was getting to the free throw line about 300 times per season at UCCS. And you've seen that ability already in the first three games, and that's something that has been missed since Spencer Dinwiddie went down in
0: Washington in 2014. Yeah, and – that he reminds me of a few guys. He reminds me a bit of Spencer in the sense that he would much rather make all the guys around him better than take over a game. And that's why you saw Tad pull the trigger. We talked about it on this podcast that we were going to see Derek White handling the ball in crunch time. I think Tad Boyle sat there and and, and thought to himself, I'm going st- to have him play point guard at crunch time. And as it went on and on, went on and went on, he's like, why wouldn't I just have my best point guard play point guard all the time? And – That's what's so great about Derek is he would rather make it all better for his teammates. He wants to get George King an open three early, so he starts feeling it. Um, So he reminds me of Spencer in that sense. uh, And Spencer got that from Kobe. You used to see Kobe not shoot for an entire first quarter uh, in the middle to later half of his career where he just wanted to get all of the guys going around him because he's like, look, comes to crunch time, we need buckets, I'm going to get them. I'd much rather have everyone on the team playing great, The whole game, so I don't even need to get crunch time buckets. If you put everything on your back too early, you're probably going to end up in a game where you're forced to have it on your back. They want to get it going, but he also reminds me of Corey Higgins in the sense that he's he's not necessarily a point guard. Um, He's playing there, and and Corey did it only at the end of games, which is where I got that idea in the first place. But he's not really there, but you just trust him with the ball, like you know he's not going to make stupid decisions. I know he has he's had a couple turnovers so far, but. But, like, even the ones he made last night, they were
1: forcing the issues. It wasn't like he was throwing an errant pass. It was like he's trying to make this post-entry pass, and Torrey Miller's mismatched in the post.
0: Exactly. And we're going to get to Torrey later. But Derek has been great, and he just looks comfortable with the ball. It's, it's nothing to him. It's second nature to just have his eyes up dribbling the ball, and I realize that should be second nature to everyone playing at this level. It looks extra comfortable to him. Uh, nothing is forced. Nothing is rushed. He gets to the rim so well. He finishes at the rim so well. And he's not necessarily a knockdown three-point shooter, but you trust him to, to shoot and make an open shot. Both Will and Tad Boyle have said this at times, but the biggest
1: step for George King that he needed to take this year was making the players around him better. Well, Derek White's doing that, making the players around him so much better to the point where you haven't really even seen George King need to do anything yet. Um, and I was just
0: talking to uh, – Tyler last night, Tyler Ziskin, and I was like, at this point last year hadn't uh, George King already put up two thirty balls, or
1: yeah. was it just one? Well, I mean, he, he, did he had one Iowa against State Auburn and Iowa
0: State. He did. He score thirty. Yeah. I think he just
1: was the leading scorer against Iowa State. He he either had like twenty five or thirty.
0: He was close. He, way. At this point last year, like it looked like the whole team was going to be on his shoulders. This year, the supporting cast is so strong. You're right. It doesn't look like George has had to do anything. And I guess we'll just talk about it now, but George is a guy,
1: I don't think he's really taking a step back. I just don't think they're using him, uh, which is a really good sign because it means you have this guy that could put up 30 on any given night when he's hot shooting that's just sitting there in your back pocket. And, and that's the team we thought we were going to have when we came into this year with this Buffaloes team. And and that's really impressive. And George is doing some things off the ball that are that are – Big improvements. He's playing a little bit better defense this year. You notice that. Uh, he's rebounding, and he's, ba- he's basically spent his entire offseason, aside from when he was hurt a little bit this offseason, uh, trying to figure out how to get on the boards more. And that's going to be so crucial to this team, whether George or XJ steps up on the board, someone's going to need to. And then George has also done some things where he's worked off ball and trying to create shots because George was so good last year at taking one dribble and then shooting. But he wasn't great at set shots. This year, the way they're playing with their motion offense, as Tad Boyle calls it, theoretically George King can have a lot of open shots from like the in between the wing and the corner in that area of the court.
0: Definitely, he he has embraced that role. I think um, he's probably going to have some nights where he wants to score, and a lot of these guys on this team have that. I can still see that gene in them, Xavier Johnson. He's tr- really trying really hard to not want to like be a Like, there'll scorer. be a
1: possession every once and again where XJ just puts his head down. It's like, I am he's like, I have hair. to
0: score on this possession because I haven't scored yet. That's unfortunate to see, but he's he's trying. I think they're all really trying. Josh Fortune, he's trying to embrace that role a little bit. I don't think he's very clear on what his role is. I, th- I think he's
1: looked great, though. I don't, I don't know if he's a point guard, a shooting guard, a small forward. Like, I don't even know what position he's playing because he's brought up the ball at times. Uh, but he's been really good defensively, and he was a guy that was very quietly solid defensively last year, and he
0: has completely earned that starting spot this year, whereas last year it was kind of teetering. That's the thing I think fans can be most excited about is this team's defensive play. They really haven't lapsed at all. I mean, that Seattle game was ugly, but the defense held them to 31% from the floor, and that should mean it wasn't close, but that was all an offensive problem that night. That, I think, is where fans can be excited right now. This team has had the guys that were capable on the defensive end. And I think now, and I and I, I hate to say that the Dom injury is a positive for them defensively because he he's had his moments defensively. But that means more Derek White probably than anything else. Obviously, you're going to get Bryce Peters in there and you're going to work in Thomas Akizili, but
1: I think – In terms of straight usage, I think it's just more derek White. Right.
0: You're not going to have lineups with Dom there and and Derek off the ball. They're just going to turn that into more Derek on the ball. So I think there can be really, really good defensively. I think this could be one of those seasons where if they can rebound, because I think they need a little more help rebounding. The guards are rebounding too much. I know Tad likes to see them. I want to see those big guys rebound. Wes has been good, but outside of that, it's who's been rebounding. So I think they can be really good defensively, and if they can pick it up rebounding, that's where this team – I mean, obviously that's what it goes back to with every Tad Boyle team, but I think this team can be where he wants them to be on the defensive end.
1: I think ULM was the best team they played out of the three, and it was their best showing as well. I know they beat Seattle by 37 points, and they only beat ULM by 19, but they were ahead by way more than that, and they kind of lapsed at the end – Uh, when that game started to get towards the end uh, and you know they really Colorado took advantage of that McDaniel guy going out with the fallout really early in the second half and really pulled away and after that it wasn't close and then Colorado had a lapse late in the game last night but in my opinion it was a really impressive showing because of all the things that they did do right they played a really complete game and they hadn't done that against Sacramento or Seattle and yeah it also says a lot that they could play terribly defensively against Sacramento. They there's no way that team should have scored 53 points on the Buffs, and they still come away with a huge blowout win. And then they literally could not throw a rock against the barn door against Seattle. And Is that a saying? I don't know. <laughs> it seems easy. <laughs> it seems like it would work. I'm a city guy, city slicker, and uh, I think it's
0: the, the broad side of the barn. Broad side of. Hit the well, I think the I bark. was like
1: going for the rock into the ocean, but I also went to the barn door.
0: Okay, okay. I see where you got crossed. I
1: got crossed a lot. <laughs> I got crossed like as many times as I did in that video last Friday. Oh, nice. Yes. Nice. Uh but and then against that Seattle team, they didn't shoot at all and they were still able to take care of business. So I think there have been impressive things on uh many levels, but speaking of impressive, the beer selection at Colorado Keg House is impressive, and that is in Broomfield right next to the First Bank Center with 75 Colorado craft beers on tap. They are the home for Colorado craft beer, from wheat beers to nitros to IPAs and ales
0: hey hey
1: look at that uh nobody does craft beer like colorado Keg house you can sit at their huge bar their tables or their lounge no matter where you sit you'll be in front of a tv with sports on so next time you're looking for something to do go down to the colorado Keg house off of wadsworth and 36th in broomsfield but c- continuing on ryan uh we're starting to get onto the subject of big men and rebounding tory miller's a guy you want to talk about earlier so let me hear it. what's your tory miller takes
0: Torrey is really frustrating. He's a really frustrating player to watch. And I've been saying that from last year and even going into this year when people started talking about him. I just – he doesn't get it. Like, when I watch him play, he just – like, I watch him get a post-touch and his eyes never look to the outside. Never once. I counted it on three different post-touches last night. I was like – I was joking with Tom. I'm going to count how many times he looks to see who's open outside. And he looked zero times on three on three post touches. He is so talented. He's so big. Uh, he's athletic. He's far enough into his career now where he should get it, and he simply doesn't. He forces things. He's shooting shots that are completely out of his range. I realize he banked in a three, but like that it compounds my point. He uh, should. That was not- the
1: biggest no, no, no yes in the history of no, no, no yeses.
0: So. It's really frustrating to watch because they're going to need him this season, and as I watch him through three games against extremely inferior competition, he's still not able to make the right play. Uh, he thinks when he gets a post touch that means he has to go up with it, and it's just not the case. And it's it that to me maybe might might be one of the most concerning things about this team because they're going to need depth at that position. And tor, I, if I was Tad Boyle, I would go nuts trying to get Torrey Miller to make the right play. He's your biggest
1: body. I mean, Wes Gordon's taller, but Tory Miller's bigger. And I was joking with Ben Burrows on the broadcast last night. I, I had a call like Aki Zili into Miller in the post. He gets in the post, so you know he's going up with it. Spins, fakes, shoots, nowhere close. Yeah. Like something like that. And, it, and that was every possession, it seemed, in the second half for Tory Miller. And the most concerning part about it was it was happening against a team that had nobody over 6'6 on the floor when Tory Miller was doing that in the second half. So – I mean, you have to be concerned, and he looks so good athletically, and his finishes have gotten better, no doubt. Like, that right-handed hook shot's money.
0: He he made a move last night that I was like, if he just made that move every time he touched the ball, I would be okay with it. Like, catch the ball, look around, look outside if it's not there, one dribble, turn over the left shoulder, and and put up the hook. And he made it. But there's too many times where he's trying to spin baseline. or There was a time last night where he started dribbling, like Yeah, outside. in the mid-range on the <laughs> yeah. left
1: side. I was like, what are you doing, dude?
0: So, I don't – maybe, just maybe, he's, like, experimenting, but I've seen this too much to think he's not going to have some really boneheaded plays in big moments when they need him on the floor.
1: It's at the point already where I'm questioning – Wes is going to get into to foul trouble. Right. It's going to happen. I'm questioning if Wes isn't in foul trouble, if Lucas Seward's going to get more run than Torrey Miller towards the end of the season because Lucas Seward, yeah, it's three games into his college career – but Tad Boyle's been really impressed with his defensive effort and his rebounding. I've been impressed with it as well. And he offers a stretch four. He, he fits exactly in with this offense the way they're trying to run it this year.
0: Yeah, he also takes some ill-advised shots, but I give him a pass because he is a freshman. Tory's not. And so it's time for Torrey to understand what he's, what his role is on the floor. It's not score points. Tory Miller could score zero points the entire season and still be a productive player. But he – can't conceive that in his mind not scoring points so like I said Wes is going to get into foul trouble and someone needs to really pound it into Tory's head that when you're playing big minutes you need to be smart
1: I just I'll bring this up because we were we are told on our, this podcast that we should tell stories from inside the locker room uh, as said in our intro. But after the game last night, I uh, talked to Josh repine and Mitch Lombard uh, speaking about scoring points. Yeah. Mike, those are my guys. And I was like, I went up to them like super serious. So they were with Dallas Walton and Lauren Huggins, the women's team. I'm like, guys, I'm just really disappointed in you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, neither are you going to be in club Trill this year? Like repine put up a shot tonight. Like that ended him. Lombard's already had an assist and a turnover. Like, I was really disappointed. They're like, well, Dallas could be Club Trail. I'm like, no, cl- Dallas is Club Zero. He is he is red shirting. Like, Dallas was very out of the loop on the reference because it's never crossed his mind that he'd be sitting <laughs> on a bench for an entire year.
0: I think Dallas, just off the little I know of him, was like out of the loop on every reference. <laughs> it Doesn't seem like he really keeps up with uh, pop culture references, or, re- or like Twitter or anything like that. <laughs>
1: I was telling him like a couple different things. I'm like, bro, like if you ever see me in public, like will you like squat down a little bit and then give me like a handshake? Like you can't be making me look bad. Like I'm always trying to make you look good. Like you can't make me look bad. But like, yeah, I think when you're that tall, like just things don't percolate up to you. Like they like they stop at like six eight. Like like above six eight, you just don't get any references. Like Wes, same way. Wes doesn't get any references. <laughs>
0: they live. They literally live in their own world. Like they're, like uh, that's just above everyone else like
1: there's like a fog layer
0: like six eight (laughs) like just the references stop everything underneath that they just don't get speaking of the locker room go you you talked a little bit to a guy uh, and i just have to quickly say how right we were because the suspension came down like the day after i was like god he's just the big man on campus like he has all those things where like he's gonna he's gonna cause some trouble and that's actually okay because that's his personality, and you need guys like that to be a ball in team.
1: That's Bryce Peters. Is who you're you talking about. Right, uh,
0: yeah. You have a couple good stories from him after games.
1: Yeah, Bryce is, I mean, the Twitter love, I mean, it, it, it was kind of a joke at first. I'm like, Bryce Peters hype train, like, he's an athletic player, like, whatever. I didn't really know much about him at the time when I started that. And then I started talking to him because I'm like, ah, like, he retweets me, like, whatever. I'll, I'll go talk to him. I realized he's a really cool human being. Um, so after the second game, the uh, Seattle game, uh, we all come out of the media room from the presser, and we're all coming out, and you know we all start writing our stories. It's really quiet. Like if you make a noise, you're you're getting yelled at by someone. Somebody. Always
0: like looks at you, right? Like you're getting a nasty look. We've gotten me. in trouble a couple times because like I think anyone listening to this podcast knows that like we have a lot of fun. We always have fun when we're doing our jobs. So, like, without realizing it, like, one time we were just having too much fun, and we got, like, a stern talking to about how, like, we were having too much fun, laughing too much in the press areas. Like,
1: like coming, coming up with just headlines and whatnot. And, and like... It's crazy because me and Ryan after games normally sit on the complete opposite side so we don't bother anyone, and that's what I do too because that's where I broadcast the games because they seclude me over there, rightfully so, because I don't want to be broadcasting next to the people trying to write their stories. Right. Uh, but Bryce Peters comes out of the locker room like five minutes into everyone writing their story. Gigantic bumping speaker, just like bringing out this speaker, Seaworth following him. Like Bryce is carrying it like John Cusack style, like out of the <laughs> locker room. Throws it up, like, first row of the media, points it towards the court, and, like, they're sweeping the court, and, like, the sweeper guy's like, like, we're sweeping here, like, can you use, like, the lower practice floor? And Bryce is like, nah, we're shooting here. And uh, they go, uh, Bryce is like, all right, well, when can you guys be done? Like, I, I want to shoot here. And they're like, give us five minutes. So Bryce turns on the music. It's, like, the trappiest of trap music ever. <laughs> like, first song that comes on is, like, Slim Jimmy saying some – I don't even know, just some wild <laughs> things. Uh, and like Bree, C Sports Nation Girl, uh, their beat writer, is like, likes that music. I like that music. Like all the kids on our side like that music. We're getting down with it. I'm like, Bryce, just continue to play the trappiest of trap. And he's like dancing with Lucas Seward while dribbling basketballs, like whatever. He's trying to talk to us other side of the media is shirt off. Not, shirt, shirt off both of them shirts off other side of the media completely not having this like they're just like whatever i'm like i, t- I go back up to bryce i'm like bryce like you're pissing people off a little bit here and he's like i don't care they're right about me i don't write about them oh my god <laughs> and i'm like that is true that's uh, why he should
0: that's why he should want them to like him <laughs> he's so amazing
1: and then he goes uh I'm like, all right. Well, uh," I'm like, I need to see the Bryce Peters show right now. Like, you better lay down some dunks. He's like, bro, I'm just trying to put some shots up. So he puts some shots up for an hour. I'm like the last person. Eventually, he
0: did turn the music off. Right. He. This is the cool
1: thing. He waited till I finished my story to turn the music off, (laughs) and that's when he was finished shooting. So that was the first day of the Bryce Peters saga that continues. But uh, I talked to him a little bit last night after the game too, and. he was very excited, uh, just with his performance and to be out there. He basically hundred text messages. Uh, well, it was Twitter and text. Okay, it was okay. A, it was hundred notifs. It was a hundred plus because he said his phone wouldn't count after it got up that right. high. Yep, yep. So he just go, he just and he didn't look till his phone until he came out and started talking to me. And he's like, "Oh, god, like, oh my god, like, what do I do with this?" And he had he cracked his phone screen earlier in the day doing something else. <laughs> Uh so he like didn't know like how to like operate his phone. It was it was a disaster. But uh this
0: guy He's a character. He's a goofy dude. It's he's not like char- yeah. you need characters. You need like those type of guy like he has all the things of like a star. You know, he has the haircut. It's it's flashy, uh it looks dope. He's got like the fashion, like he's very fashion forward, like Russell Westbrook esque. He was uh
1: because his study session is right when we wrap up football every day, so he was like lo- he was longboarding from basketball to football practice, wearing like, like those skirt dress things that the all like Russell Westbrook wears, yes, like yes. like the long t shirt like, with another long t shirt,
0: like the Kanye concert starter kit, right? Like he was
1: <laughs> wearing that, and pe- like like one of the memes was like, "What? Who is that? And why is he wearing that?" I'm like, "Oh, that's just Bryce Peters,
0: exactly." So you need guys like that. And we haven't even mentioned the fact that he balled. Like, I think he got a little overhyped because he made three really awesome plays. He made the first dunk, first points of his career was a dunk, which was awesome. The second dunk, which was even more flashy with a little behind the back.
1: Which he said he was going to windmill, but he was a little bit too tired. He didn't realize how how hard it was to play college basketball, I don't (laughs)
0: think. You could tell because he didn't really bounce on that one quite as much. And then... uh, the third play was the buzzer beater three at the end of the half. So, was that a buzzer beater? It was a, It came – well, time keeps running yeah, in the yeah, first yeah, half. Yeah, so.
1: so, it, like, was hit with one second. but and then
0: They didn't get another shot. Right. So, he made three really big plays, which were eye-opening, which is why I think people got really excited. Uh, you could tell he has a long way to go. And, and obviously, Tad had the leash a little bit tight on him last night. Uh, he even had the warm-up on when he hit the bench. And I was like, is he – are they going to sit him for the whole first half? Or, like – so – but, I mean, the kid's going to ball. The kid's going to ball. He's got all the other stuff. And you're going to need that. Like, he's the character that would, you know, junior, senior year when he's, like, I think he could be potential, you know, Pac-12 player of the year. Like, he's the guy that you gets you national headlines and stuff like that. You need guys like that in your program. He's
1: the guy calling programs little brother. Like, And I, I said yes. this to one of the C-unit guys pregame. I go – the Buffs have desperately missed Spencer Dinwiddie ever since he went down. Not just the player, but the person. And Derek, Derek White is the player. Bryce Peters right now is the person. Is the is the person. I like that. And uh, and it
0: can Spencer work. Spencer was way. maybe a little more. I don't know what the I don't want to use the wrong word here, but he was, he was older. More, yeah, he was more mature. I guess yeah. is the word and. And that's not a knock against Bryce. No, he's, he's, a, he's a Spencer freshman. was twenty one. Right, yeah. but I, I mean, even when Spencer came in, he was very mature. Uh, he was just kind of an old soul in that sort of sense. But he had that swagger because because of Kobe. It'd be interesting to ask Bryce Peters who his favorite player is because I would not be surprised to hear him say Kobe. Well, he wears twenty three.
1: I I just assumed that was for Michael Jordan, but. I want to talk about his backcourt mate in Deleon Brown in one second, but first I have to tell you about this new opportunity we have for you, which is mybookie.lv. Thousands of experts and rookies are playing there and winning big every day. They offer real Las Vegas odds, amazing player props and live in-game action with odds updated in real time, but the best part about mybookie.lv is the fast no-hassle payouts when you win. As fast as I just talked, that's how fast and no-hassle the payouts are (laughs) at mybookie.lv. Join now and they'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000 and get an extra 10% bonus on top of that. When you sign up and deposit today, just make sure you you use promo code BSN Denver to activate the offer that's promo code BSN Denver expert or rookie you got to go check out mybookie.lv rookie playing in his third game last night
0: Deleon Brown impressed you Ryan why was he so impressive he's so in control um in the sense that he knows what Tad wants from him right now it's strong defense uh it's moving that the ball in, in the offense and getting just making the right play in the motion offense it's attacking only only and only when it's wide open for you so he's shooting wide open threes he's making them Uh, he's gone to the rim one or two times just because the lane was there otherwise he takes the ball he dribbles it he passes it off he goes down on the other end and plays strong defense he's like the anti-tory miller like everything he does is exactly what you want him to do and that's and i realize he's a freshman and it almost reminds me of dom when he first started tad couldn't get over the fact that dom just kept making the right play after the right play and he loved it out of dom when he was a freshman daily is doing that which is going to make tad so happy but i think he's a little more capable on the defensive end uh and he just he's he reminds me of spencer in the sense of that old soul he's smart he's uh he's also two
1: years i think two years older than every other freshman because exactly he took that gray shirt ear, and he was a little bit older for
0: his class so he's, he seems mature on the floor, and I, I love seeing that out of freshmen. Uh, he, him, and uh, Bryce Peters, in terms of you know young guards, really complement each other well.
1: Yeah, uh, basically the exact opposite. Each combo guards, but both very different in what they do. Uh, I want to talk about two other guards, Dominique Collier and Thomasaki Akizili. I'll start with Dominique Collier. Collier's going to be out four to six weeks with two fractured bones in his foot, as reported by us on BSN Denver. He uh, – that's a big loss. Uh, I, I don't think that can be understated. He did not look like himself at all this year in practice, in the games, uh, because of that foot injury. It wasn't – this foot injury's been nagging him for about a month now, but he was expected w- to play a little wish bit off they the ball.
0: You just wish they would have taken care of that a month ago.
1: Right. I, I would just, was just – I'm trying to figure out why they – didn't yeah there's no reason not to because now instead of him missing the Notre Dame game and being back for Colorado State now he's going to miss the entire non-conference season basically
0: right I mean he could have four to six weeks if, if you take care of it right when it starts he might be back for Notre Dame so I, I the only thing that I think is positive out of it is it takes one person out of the rotation for Tad he's gonna have a really hard time paring down this rotation and it's going to give these, these young guards more opportunities. And like I said, it's going to give Derek White more opportunities to handle the ball. So I think there's a positive it's, – it's really looking for a silver lining there. You never want to see a guy get injured. But they aren't thin. So they are going to have a chance to give guys opportunities. The thing that I worry about for Dom is those guys step up and take those opportunities. All of a sudden, four to six weeks from now, you're not in the flow of things. Uh, you're going to have to shake the rust off. And I don't know if the minutes are going to be there because someone else stepped up their game. You know, let's say Bryce Peters starts playing really good basketball. Well, I don't know if the minutes are going to be there for Dom to shake that rust off. And let's say he's back day one of conference season, they start five of six on the road
1: in conference or whatever it is. And and that's going to be really hard to deal with too. But for Dom, it's it's really tough on many levels. And I just want to say this because I've been asked this two different times. They are not going to redshirt Dominique Collier this year because he misses four weeks of non-conference season. He will be back. Uh, Why is everyone this trying to throw a redshirt on Dom every year? Because Tad, it was, it's Tad Boyle always talks about it. Tad Boyle always keeps saying, if if they redshirted Dom, we would have loved him by the end of his senior year or whatever.
0: Right, but that's if, and they weren't able to do it that year because they were thin. So, and they wanted him to be the guy, and the guy doesn't redshirt. He has to go play so don't try and redshirt dom because if we're being frankly honest and i like dom collier and i I, i've had high hopes for him as a player and i think he's still capable of getting to a place that people really like him as a player he's not good enough to the point where you don't think you can recruit over him and that's the that's the hard truth of it is you're not going to redshirt a guy that you think you can recruit over
1: and i i was actually saying that to someone too you know they have two guards right now on this team that are freshmen that could potentially be replacing Dom. They have another one in Tomasaki, Zili, who's looked really good at times. Who's Why a can't sophomore. He make a
0: damn shot? <laughs> we'll talk
1: about that in a second. And uh, they also have that recruiting class coming in next year, which has some really, really good you know, shooting guards, small forwards, whatever, but they're going to be able to handle the ball. So it's really hard to say that the Buffs should redshirt Dom in – basically waste a scholarship for the next year when every year it seems these tad boy recruiting classes are getting better again so but i, I Aki zealy uh he's shown some flashes again this year i think he's made some improvements from his freshman year the shooting's still not there but he brings an energy to this team off the bench that is sorely needed
0: it's exactly what you want out of your backup point guard is uh, a little burst of lightning off the bench. He comes in, changes the pace, keeps the defense on their heels. Because Derek White is hes going to make the right p- decision to push the pace or not push the pace, but he's not th- th- of the speed of of, uh, of Thomas Akizeli. So Thomas comes in, and he wants to push every time. I mean, he wants that defense on their heels making those plays, and it's not easy as a defense, especially at altitude, to defend that. And as, so as Derek White kind of comes in, and I almost want to say he lulls you to sleep, he's got a little Kyle Anderson in him. Um, I, I'm sure he probably wouldn't – he might not like me saying that because he's a little he's, – he's a little more uh, bursty than Kyle Anderson ever was. But he, he's not exactly a push-the-pace guard by any stretch. So then you bring in Tom. He bursts through, and he has made improvements. But Jesus, I don't know why he can't shoot at all. I mean, he, I've, you, you watch him in practice, he can knock down shots. He's he has got like, had like mental three
1: open threes last night and missed all of them.
0: Yeah, it's it's actually really brutal to watch because he he And just, it's not
1: like he has a bad stroke either.
0: It's not ugly. It's a little slow, but
1: – But he's, he's only st- taking open threes. It's not like he's taking – Right, concept- exactly. Right. That's
0: why – so if, if you have a slow release, you should be more like, – you should be counted on on open threes. And he may – like I said, he makes them in practice. At least, you know, he I, I used to play all the time one-on-one with Rodney Billups like every single day after practice and he's shooting threes over Rodney so uh, anyone knows that I have a problem with guards that can't shoot uh, especially from the point so he needs to get that taken care of because I think he's capable of it he can finish though
1: and he's been so valuable inside because he he gets the ball inside and the buffs need that inside scoring this year do you know how many rebounds he had last night uh I do not know off the top of my head but I will be able to find that out by the f- time I finish the rest of this sentence which I no I didn't get to the page ESPN you failed me. Uh he had uh three rebounds last night, three rebounds against Seattle and one against Sac State. So he's been doing
0: a good job kind of cleaning up the glass. Three rebounds is good for a point guard. Um but yeah, I, he's
1: o for 7 from the three point oh, line. It's so brutal. Yeah. He wonder what he shot last year. Last year he shot 28%, which is by far the worst out of any of the guards on the team last year.
0: Right. He's got to get that. But I, I love the way he plays. He's so fearless. I mean, so many. I feel like fearless is a word that gets thrown around a lot. He really is fearless. Uh, and he, he, just like Bryce Peters, brings a dimension to the team that you need. The enforcer, the guy who is going to talk his ish, the guy who is not taking it from anyone.
1: Those are literally three different police stereotypes. Just around a police department, there's the guy that's not going to take the ish. <laughs>
0: uh, the number one cop. on <laughs> The reference.
1: force. He has all the different roles. Last night, uh, I wasn't on the broadcast for his layup that he had. I handed it over to Ted to write the game story, but I was gonna, my call would have been, the number one c- cop on the force cracks the case because it was like an underhand layup. I would have
0: said something like, put your hands behind your back. <laughs> the number one cop to the rack.
1: That's a good one. But uh, theoretically, if Boulder were to build a light rail, uh, which they've been saying they would do since the buffs were good the first time, not now. (laughs) Not the
0: first time.
1: But the last time. The last time the buffs were good. Uh, You could take that light rail all the way from south of downtown, stop off at the Lincoln Light Rail Station, and take it all the way up to Boulder. I'm looking at you, RTD. We keep giving you taxes, but this is an ad for the Clock Tower Grill, not RTD, so get out of here. There we go. Uh, Stop off at the Lincoln Light Rail Station. You need to head by the Clock Tower Grill. They have the— Perfect place to get your pregame on with $3 Long Island, 75-cent wings on Wednesday, $3 Long Islands on Monday, $3 shots on Friday. There's no better place to start your event than the Clock Tower Grill. Remember, before hopping on the light rail station or hopping on the light rail, you wouldn't hop on the station. I guess you could do both.
0: You could hop on the station. You just might hop. get yelled at by, like, the little um, light rail police. The light rail police. Like, the guys who come around to make sure you have your ticket. A lot, my, a lot of my friends, uh, when I was – living in denver and taking the light rail got busted for not having a ticket on the light rail because you can just walk on do they get intro- like what happens to you you get a ticket i think it's like 75 bucks oh that's not worth it yeah it's not but the thing is y- like a lot of people would just get off like if you noticed that there was a because there has to be a security guard on your car so they would just get off when the when like the security guard got on is it, it was sketchy but you know since i went to the university of colorado boulder i had a pass so
1: Right, University of Colorado Denver does not. No, I they assume? do. No.
0: Okay, I went there too.
1: All right, uh, I've got one more little segment here to talk about, and that's how the Buffs look going into a tougher portion of their schedule. They've got Notre Dame, and then either Texas slash Northwestern, and then they come home next Sunday, and they'll be facing uh, they'll be facing Wofford, and then they've got Colorado State the next Wednesday. So they've got a little bit tougher of uh, schedule here that's three opponents I just named out of the next four that are going to be legitimate and of course then Xavier and BYU are less than I don't know they're about two and a half weeks away so those are sitting on your doorstep how do you feel the buffs are quick fun fact
0: about Wofford first basketball game I ever covered was against Wofford why I was which was the first winning locker or winning post game I had also ever covered why were you covering Wofford it was against CU CU yeah one like 2011 2012 2012
1: right 2011 was wild tweets year for you yes yeah so going off (laughs) my my
0: tweet was my at was still rk starfox oh god will whalen shout out to him for making me change it
1: maybe i have to twitter search rk starfox to find that tweet i was trying to find earlier (laughs) from you
0: please no one do
1: that All right, uh, talk about the the basketball team playing here in the future. Did you just talk about me? I did talk about you. (laughs) Wow. I love to talk
0: about. (laughs) (laughs) I love when people talk about me, but not in that way. (laughs) Uh, I think they have a good chance to come out of this with a good record, but I also really fear, especially what I was talking about earlier, where they haven't turned it on yet, the fact that they think they can turn it on. I fear that they won't be able to turn it on when they have to. Um, I know Will said he could see them going one and three in the next four. It's not out of the question. And I think Notre Dame is a team that you can't really bring your B game to that game, especially out on the East Coast where you're not going to be comfortable. The Buffs are going to have to come out and bring the fight to them. So I'm I'm really interested. This is going to be great. This is awesome. I'm. I, it's funny because I was talking in the first game of the year. I am glad. I said, you know, I'm glad the Buffs aren't playing a really tough opponent right now. It's so weird. I remember when they came out against Baylor a couple of years back. It's so weird to, to go into a game when you know nothing about your team, really, and have to force to be forced into a tough matchup. So you've got three games under your belt now. We know kind of what, what guys are at this point, and I think it's going to be a great litmus test for this team as to who they are. Remember last year, we kind of learned a lot about them early, in in terms, of, oh, there there's another one. They opened up against Iowa State. You don't like like they could have won that game two weeks later, probably. But then you learned a lot about them in the Auburn game. They go on the road and win there. This is where we're gonna. By the end of this four game stretch, we're gonna know a lot about this team.
1: Notre Dame's played uh, three cupcakes as well. They well they will be three and zero after tonight. Uh, they play some school's logo that I've never seen before. But they did play Seattle. And, of course, there's a common opponent there with Colorado. They murdered Seattle 92-49. to 49. Of course, Colorado couldn't shoot against Seattle. But it says a lot that Notre Dame was able to exploit that matchup for about a 30-point more margin than uh, the Buffs did.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to compare those because, again, the Buffs just had an off day. But that was not a very good game for the Buffs, and it was a really good game. am trying to look this up here. The turnovers were what was concerning to me. The Buffs turned the ball over 19 times, I believe, uh, against Notre Dame, and Tyler pointed this out to me against last Seattle. Night. Seattle or against yeah. Seattle, I think Notre Dame turned it over like five. So that's going to be a big a big key to that game for the Buffs is taking care of the ball. Yeah, Notre
1: Dame certainly played a lot better against Seattle than the Buffs. Uh, they ended up with, uh, yeah, the turnovers a lot different. They had eight turnovers against Seattle. The Buffs had 19 and. Uh, they held Seattle to thirty or twenty nine percent er, shooting, just like the Buffs did. Except the Fighting Irish shot forty nine percent. So, and that game was never close. Notre Dame put up fifty six in the first half. Uh, but I think that's going to about wrap up the podcast for today. But before we wrap up here, I got to tell you about Lifeflower Dispensary out in Leedsdale, or sorry, Glendale, Glendale, Glendale. They're in Glendale, not Glen-dale. Leedsdale. It's off of Leedsdale, but they're in Glendale.
0: Remember, crank it, Glen. Crank it, Glenn! <laughs> yeah,
1: the b vets. Just south of Dender, serves medical and recreational marijuana until midnight. They're a one stop shop for everything and as something for everyone as well. Whether you're a smoker or prefer to use topical treatments for severe pain, Lightflower carries a huge variety of edibles, infused sodas, concentrates, flowers, and they carry glass too. Out on the menu, uh, check out the menu on WeedsMaps.com for specific strains and price details, or just show up to Life Flower off of Leedsdale. Is it details or details? What do you do? I'm a details guy. I'm a details guy too, but like I feel like data or data. I say data. Really? Yeah.
0: Wait, so do I. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, data.
1: Like whenever I see, you know, like Dada Life, the uh, the electronic band Dada Life, D A D A Life.
0: Yeah, I think I've heard of that.
1: I'm like, that's what I use to people. I'm like, it's not DADA. That's D-A-D-A, Dada Life. It's, you know, it's not. There's a T in data. Uh, Anyways, for Ryan Koningsberg, I'm Jake Shapiro. Thanks for tuning in. We'll have a football podcast next Thursday morning like we always do. Basketball pod's going to be a little sporadic here throughout the non-conference season before we schedule a time. So just stay tuned to that and look forward to all of our content on bsndenver.com.